Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Comerica Park in Detroit. It's the Detroit Tigers 5, the Cleveland Indians 2. The Detroit Tigers come back and put four runs on the Indians in the eighth inning to take a win in this series. The Indians win the first two. The Tigers win this one. We'll play one more this afternoon to see who can win this series. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And this was a weird, strange game yesterday where the Indians' offense actually hit the ball hard. They had some opportunities. They just come up really short against Spencer Turnbull and the Detroit Tigers. So how did it all go down? Let's get into it. Let's talk about this game. The Indians don't do much in the in the top of the first, although some hard hit balls. Bottom of the first, the uh, Tigers actually get things going. Victor Reyes singles to start the game, and you're thinking, uh oh, well that's not good. But then they uh, the Indians get a strike them out, throw them out. Willie Castro strikes out swinging, and Victor Reyes is nailed at second base trying to steal on Roberto Perez. And once again, we ask, what the heck are you doing trying to steal on Roberto Perez? It's not going to work. So big double play there for the Indians, and you're thinking that's exactly what Tristan McKenzie needs. What a great play to get this rookie up and going in this game. However, then he walks Candelario, and then Harold Castro doubles on a line drive to right field over Taylor, Tyler Naquin's head, and Candelario comes all the way around to score, makes it one nothing Detroit. He would then walk Jorge Bonifacio, and things are getting a little dicey out there, but then Nico Goodrum would ground out to second base Cesar Hernandez. So, he's able to get out of it, but two walks in the first inning, Two hits in the first inning, that is not a good sign of things to come for Tristan McKenzie. And these would be that would be the only run he gives up on the day, but his his fastball velocity was down. He averaged 90 miles per hour on his fastball yesterday. Um, when he came into the league, when he we got called up, I think he was averaging around 93, 94 with his fastball. So that might be something the Indians are concerned about. I mean, it might be a situation here where uh, he was a young guy. He hadn't pitched competitively uh, since 2018 because of injuries. And it might be that going every five days has kind of worn him out a little bit. So uh, hopefully it's just the major league workload. Hopefully it's not you know some injury that's popped up or anything like that. So, I mean, yeah, we want him. I mean, we want him to be one of our playoff starters. He's definitely in the conversation for game three starter in a playoff series. But if we've kind of pushed him to his limit this season, if he needs to continue to work on his conditioning and work on his strength training and uh, during the offseason, then maybe we got all that we can get out of Tristan McKenzie this season. We'll see. We'll have to see. He's probably going to get another start, you know, five days from now. So we'll see how he bounces back. All right. So it's only one run though. In the end, he only gives up that one run for everything that goes down here. He gets into more trouble in the second after Eric Haas flies out, Daz Cameron grounds out, he walks Isak Paredes, he then gives up another single to Victor Reyes. This time he gets Willie Castro to line out, though, to end the threat. So the walk 
does not come back to hurt him in the bottom of the second here. In the third inning, the Indians finally do a little damage in the third inning here. Roberto Perez singles to start the game. It was the first hit off Spencer Turnbull. Spencer Turnbull was kind of cruising through the first two innings here. Roberto Perez mixes things up, gets a hit up the middle to start things in the third. Josh Naylor then singles. He moves Roberto Perez to second. Oscar Mercado, I can't remember if he squared the bunt or not. So... I went back on MLB's film room, which is kind of amazing, and they have every pinch that Spencer Turnbull threw to him last night. And so I can confirm that he does not square up the bunt here. I don't understand why. You're in a situation with runners on first and second, and is it because Roberto Perez is so slow at second base? But Oscar Mercado is your nine hitter. What What's a better situation from your nine hitter than to lay down a bunt and move those runners to second and third, and then put two runners in scoring position for Francisco Lindor in the top of the order. But Sandy Alomar made a couple decisions last night that I disagree with, and this is one of them. Why not have Oscar Mercado bunt here? Especially because the guy is hitting 137. So you know what a sack bunt does there? It gives him a little confidence. It lets him say, I did something for the team today. Maybe it wasn't a hit. But I laid down a bunt, I moved those runners over, and Lindor drives them in. I created that situation. So if it were me, I'm laying down a bunt here with Oscar Mercado. He does not. Sandy LMR chooses not to. Mercado ends up striking out in the at-bat. He would be very frustrated with himself by the end of this day. Francisco Lindor would then strike out swinging. Things are not looking good. Cesar Hernandez comes up with two outs now, and he crushes a line drive. Unfortunately, it was off the rear end of Spencer Turnbull, off his hip as he was coming down from his uh, uh, from his wind-up there. And uh, it didn't hurt him, luckily. It just uh, probably going to leave a nice bruise. Uh, he's going to have that MLB logo on his side when he wakes up in the morning. But it bounces off him towards third base, and it allows everyone to be safe. Cesar Hernandez can run. He cooked down the line. He did not want to be out on a weird play like that. So it loads the bases. He finally does what no Indians hitter did before him. It gets that runner over to third. Then Jose Ramirez comes up. Works the count, had a 3-0 count going against uh, Turnbull. Takes a strike, takes a fastball strike, which I was surprised. I thought the way Jose Ramirez was swinging, he would want to turn and crush this ball. Instead, he just takes it, just calmly takes it. Next pitch was uh, maybe a changeup or a sinker or something like that. Definitely something with a little break to it. And he lines it past the shift. They even shifted to the right side for him, and he's still able to shoot this ball between second and shortstop and get it out into right field. Two runs come in to score. He hustles all the way into second for a double, and it is two to one Cleveland, and that was it for a long time. Carlos Santana would ground out sharply to end that threat right there. Uh, but yeah, that was it for a long time. McKenzie has uh, gives up a single in the third, but otherwise has a clean inning. Spencer Burn- Turnbull comes back, gets uh, two strikeouts and a flyout in the next inning, so he bounces back. Tristan McKenzie here in the fourth. It would be his last inning. He would get into some trouble but get out of it. Eric Haas would pop up, but uh, it says pops out to second to Cesar Hernandez for a single, so I don't mean to know if that means it blooped one over his head. If anyone remembers this Eric Haas at bat, 
Did he bloop it over his head? Daz Cameron then pops out. Isak Paredes singles. So now he's got two runners on. Victor Reyes grounds into a force out. So Eric Haas is at third, and Victor Reyes is at first. Paredes is out at second. Victor Reyes actually steals second base off of Jose Ramirez. Or not Jose Ramirez, off of Roberto Perez. So uh, they finally get a steal off of Roberto Perez. Now runners on second and third. What does he do? How does Tristan McKenzie handle it? He strikes out Willie Castro looking on a curveball. So he gets out of it. And that would be his last inning. He's still on a pitch count. The Indians are still trying to keep his pitches down. He goes four innings, six hits, one earned run, three walks, and three strikeouts. So not a great line, but only one run given up. And anytime you do that, you're going to be somewhat happy about your performance. He threw 79 pitches. I know they were trying to keep him around 85, so they must have felt this was just a good time to take him out at the end of the inning. Only 48 pitches were for strikes yesterday. And looking at what he threw yesterday, he threw his forcing fastball a lot. Did not get a lot of whiffs on it. Did not get a lot of swing and miss on his fastball yesterday. Uh, They swung 19 times. They fouled off 10, and they put 7 in play. This is all from StatCast, from Baseball Savant. Uh, But yeah, the the minimum velocity was 88.7 on one of his fastballs. His max velocity was 93, which averaged out to 90.6. So yeah, that's not not great. Uh, That is not the difference that we've seen between his breaking balls and his fastball in other in other starts. So maybe it's exhaustion. Maybe maybe they skip a start and let him start the last game of the season or something like that. Give him a few extra days off. We'll see. We'll see what the Indians coaching staff, how they respond to this data that they got yesterday on McKenzie. He threw the fastball 39 times, uh, threw the slider 18 times, and the changeup and the curve 11 times each. So, uh, yeah, actually stayed away from the curve a little bit and went with a lot of sliders yesterday. But was not getting a lot of whiffs. Um, got a good some good called strikes there. 15 called strikes out of 79 pitches. So, That's your day from Tristan McKenzie. For the Indians, the rest of this day is all about wasted opportunities. They had opportunities against Turnbull in the seventh. They had opportunities against uh, Daniel Norris, against not Cisnero, but and then against Brian Garcia. They had opportunities. Is that Brian Garcia? Yes, it's Brian Garcia. So, let's get into it. In the top of the seventh here, Vermeil Reyes doubles to start the inning. He puts one down the line. After striking out twice in his first two at-bats, Vermeil Reyes comes up with a big double. He'd actually have two hits on the day by the time this is all said and done. Tyler Naquin grounds out, moves Vermeil Reyes to third. This is a perfect example of it doesn't have to be a sack bunt. It doesn't have to be a sack fly. There are plenty of ways to move a runner over, and one of them is to ground to the right side. That runner can take off on the on the contact when it's to the right side like that, and he makes it into third. However, we got a runner on third, less than we got one out, less than two outs. There's so many ways for him to come in and score. The one way he can't come in to score is if you strike out swinging. Roberto Perez goes down swinging, and then Jordan Luplo pinch hits because uh, Daniel Norris had come into the game, and Daniel Norris is a lefty. 
So this is two righties that have a chance against a lefty here. Roberto Perez strikes out swinging, and then Jordan Luplo, the pinch hitter, strikes out swinging. So not good. Wasted opportunity for the Indians there in the seventh. Nick Wickren pitches the bottom of the seventh for the Indians. He had a good inning. Strikes out Victor Reyes, gets Castro to ground out, and strikes out Candelario. Good inning from Nick Wickren, who needed, needed a good game, needed a bounce-back game there. All right, top of the eighth. What are the Indians going to do? Mercado grounds out to start things, but then Francisco Lindor doubles down the left field line, burns one down the left field line, hits off the wall out there. He's in for a double. Cesar Hernandez singles on a soft ground ball to Daniel Norris. Um, a weird infield hit. Francisco Lindor moves up to third. All right, you've got runners on the corner now. One out. So many ways for this run to come in and score here. They bring in Cisnero to pitch against Jose Ramirez. I guess Cisnero has some heat. And uh, actually, I can tell you exactly what kind of heat Cisnero has. Well, he only threw one fastball yesterday, but he threw it at 95.4 miles per hour. So there you go. That's the heat that Cisnero has. So they bring in Cisnero to face Jose Ramirez, and Jose Ramirez actually makes really good contact off him. However, he hits it directly to first baseman Candelario. And Cesar Hernandez taking his normal lead, not doing anything wrong. Candelario comes down with this line drive and is able to spin and tag out Cesar Hernandez, who is scrambling back to first base for a double Play with runners on first and third in less than two outs. Come on. Can we not catch a break here? That one hurts. That's bad luck. I, I Nobody did anything wrong by the Indians in that situation there. Jose Ramirez made solid contact. Cesar Hernandez was taking his completely normal lead. That's just really, really bad luck. All right, Phil Maiden comes in to pitch for Wickren, and things do not go well for Phil Maiden. He walks Harold Castro to start the inning. He gets Bonifacio to strike out swinging, but then Nico Goodrum singles, moves the pinch runner Derek Hill up to second. Eric Haas then singles on a ground ball to center. Hill comes all the way around to score. Goodrum goes to third. I'll tell you, this pitch from Haas, it was down and away. It was a slider down and away. It was on the outside edge. Haas just went out and got it. Uh, I could tell you that the hits off of Phil Maiden yesterday, two of the hits actually came on pitches that were away, that were outside the zone. Uh, both Eric Haas's hit and Nico Goodrum's hit, which we're about to get to, were both outside the zone. Daz Cameron's hit was in the zone. It was a fastball right in the meat of the plate. Daz Cameron singles to right field. Nico Goodrum comes in to score. Haas goes to third. They are just running up the score on Phil Maiden right now. It's three to two. That would be one, two, three, four, five, five hitters already that Phil Maiden's faced. Do they take him out of the game yet? No, they leave him in. He then walks Miguel Cabrera to load the bases. They had a couple of opportunities. They did a mound visit before Daz Cameron's at bat. He had opportunities to take Phil Maiden out of this game, and he waited. He held off on it, and Maiden was in trouble. Maiden was clearly in trouble. You could look at his pitch chart yesterday. He's all over the place. He's missing the strike zone like crazy yesterday. And they had a chance to take him out of the game here before things got worse. They had him a chance to take him out of the game when it was still a 2-2 game and you had a, you had to set up for the double play. 
but they leave him in as Cameron gets the hit. He walks Miguel Cabrera to load the bases, and then they finally go get him. And it was too late from Sandy Alomar. He waited too long to go get another pitcher. Cam Hill would come in, and things would not go well for Cam Hill. Victor Reyes would walk. That would make it 4-2. to two. Bases loaded walk brings in that run, 4-2 to two Tigers. Then, this is bizarre. There's still one out, by the way, in this whole thing. Willie Castro is the next batter. He pops one out down the right field line, playable for Tyler Naquin. Tyler Naquin has to make a running catch, but playable for Tyler Naquin. Daz Cameron is the runner on third. Yes, he's a very fast runner. He's trying to tag the score. Instead of setting his feet and throwing a good Tyler Naquin strike like we're used to Tyler Naquin seeing, he throws on the run. He throws off the wrong foot, and he lobs one in to Carlos Santana, who is the cutoff man, and Carlos Santana doesn't throw home. He catches it and hesitates. He turns and looks and sees Cameron breaking for the plate, but he just doesn't throw. Maybe he just assumed Cameron was going to be safe. Maybe because of the way Tyler Nickman threw the ball in, he assumed maybe Cameron wasn't running. In either way, he was not ready to throw the ball, and Cameron is able to tag and put on a fifth run for the Tigers. I, I blame Tyler Naquin on this one. All Tyler Naquin has to do is take one extra step, get his hips around, get himself in a good position to throw. He had the time. He was in really shallow right field, and he could throw a strike from that position right there. So, yeah, Naquin has to... Sometimes it's not about how quick you can get the ball in. It's about how quickly you can get into your mechanics and get into a good throw. So they bring across another run there, 5-2. Cam Hill's finally able to get out of it. It's a bad game for Phil Maiden. Phil Maiden's line is a third of an inning pitched, three hits, four earned runs, two walks, and a strikeout. It's his third loss on the season and a blown save for Phil Maiden, and it's bad Phil Maiden yesterday. I was trying to look up. I looked up some of his other appearances to see if there's any statistical difference between bad Phil Maiden and good Phil Maiden. Is he missing the zone more? Is he is he not getting swings and misses more? Is he doing something different with his pitches? Something different with batted balls? I can't find it, to be honest with you. It It's kind of all over the place. I, I'm going to say the walks. The walks are a real problem here. Um he, uh, I think this is part of the reason why in San Diego, they kind of gave up on him. I mean, they literally gave up on him. They traded Phil Maiden to us for international pool money. That's money to sign international players. That's what they gave. We gave, didn't even give up a player. We didn't even give up a minor leaguer. That's what we gave up, international pool money to get Phil Maiden from the Padres. And he's been good for us. I mean, in 2019, we got him midway through 2019. When he was with the Padres in 2019, his ERA was 7.77 in 21 appearances in 2019. For us in 2019, in nine appearances, his ERA was 2.92. What else? His whip was at 1.6 when he was traded from the Padres. With us in 2019, it was at 0.81. So, yeah, he pitched really well once he came over here. This season has been okay up until yesterday. I don't know what is going to be yesterday after the pitching. Maybe I can. You know, baseball reference, they never update things from the day before. Well, I can tell you his whip is up to 1.47. His average against is up to 284. 
and his ERA is up to 4.91. So numbers were definitely climbing yesterday. His ERA going into the game was 3.0. So his ERA definitely went up. Uh, yeah, I wish, God, I wish MLB and baseball reference could just get on the same page here because, uh, his ERA plus for the Padres in his first season, it was 101. Remember ERA plus is one of those numbers where a hundred is league average. Anytime you see the plus sign, a uh, league average is set to a hundred. So he was at 101, his rookie season, which is pretty good for a rookie. The rest of his time in San Diego, it just gets worse. When they finally trade him to Cleveland, his ERA plus is down to 55. When he comes to Cleveland, that great season in 2019, it's at 167. In uh, So far this year, his ERA plus had been 156 going into last night. So we'll have to see what last night does to that ERA plus. But he had been pitching really well for us. And uh, this dude is known for his spin rate. So that's the one thing, the one scouting report about Phil Maiden. When he came into the Padres system, they were like, do you realize how good your spin rate is on your fastball? And he's like, what are you talking about? I, I, I just throw my fastball. So he's got one of the best spins on his fastball, and that's why he induces a lot of swing and miss on his fastball. And, I mean, it's been working. His strikeouts per nine innings were at 12.5 going into last night. I, I don't know what they're at right now. Um, they actually might have gone up last night. It looks like on MLB they're at 12.76 now. Definitely still striking out, guys. And that's huge. We just got to avoid the walks, man. We just got to we gotta figure out the difference between good film maiden and bad film maiden. Because I think maiden could be a key piece in this bullpen in the playoffs. So we'll see. All right, we got to finish this game here. We still have another inning to get to. Uh, top of the ninth inning, they bring in Brian Garcia to pitch again. If you remember, Brian Garcia did not have a good game yesterday against the Indians. Yeah, he gave up three walks yesterday against the Indians. Didn't give up a run. Soto was able to get him out of the inning. But he pitched the ninth inning against the Indians yesterday and gave up three walks. So what would he do today? Well, last night? Well, he gets Carlos Santana to strike out swinging. Famille Reyes does single off of him, but then he gets Tyler Naquin to strike out swinging and Roberto Perez called out on strikes. So, Garcia the other day, three walks. Last night, three strikeouts. There, uh, There's a difference, and Garcia gets his third save. The win goes to Cisnero, and that would be it. That would be all she wrote for the Indians. And uh, the loss hurts because both Minnesota and the White Sox won yesterday. So now they're six games back of the White Sox. They're three games back now of Minnesota for that number two spot. And man, that number two spot never felt more critical than it does right now. Uh, They're still in seventh place in postseason seeding. They're still two games up on Toronto. Toronto has to watch themselves because Seattle is three games back of them. I mean, there's a chance Seattle might actually be able to catch up to Toronto here. So uh, Toronto definitely has to watch us back. And for Cleveland, it would be really great to maybe climb up into that five spot and see if we can pass the Minnesota Twins. All right. MVP for a day. Looking over the box score here. Ooh, it's rough. It's rough. The Indians were 3 for 10 with runners in scoring position. 
The only two out RBIs came from Jose Ramirez. He had that big double that brought in the two runs in the third inning. I think, though, I think I'm going to give MVP for a day to Nick Whitgren. You don't get a chance to shine very much as a middle reliever, but I'm going to say of anybody in this game, Whitgren really did his job and did his job well. He comes in and pitches that seventh inning. He get one inning, no hits, no runs, no walks, two strikeouts. It's a great inning for Nick Wickren, and he needed that. And you know what? He needs MVP for a, des- for a day. He deserves it. He earned it. Nick Wickren is your MVP for the day. All right. Coming up today, we got a day baseball game. We got a 1 o'clock game. So if you're listening to this podcast while you're eating your breakfast, get ready for some day baseball. Carrasco is on the mound against Boyd for the Tigers, and uh, we need a bounce back here from Carrasco. We need him to hang on to this for this team. We need him to come out, pitch good. We need a win here. We cannot split the series with the Tigers. We said this going in, a sweep, even a 3-1 to one series win would be good, right? It would be good to bounce back after everything that happened in Minnesota and the Cubs after that incredible losing streak. 3-1 series win, we'll take that. So we need it. We need Carrasco today to help us out here. All right, that's all my thoughts. Enjoy some day baseball. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Chicago. It's Detroit 5, Cleveland 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>